Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pastor Farrell Shepherd of the Island Ford Baptist Church in Madisonville, Kentucky, and I'd like to welcome you to another Sending Forth the Light radio broadcast. This broadcast is for Monday, November 7th, and glad to be able to send out these messages. Appreciate you being there listening, and those especially that listen on a daily basis as we have these weekday broadcasts of the Sending Forth the Light. And I appreciate you praying for us. Appreciate the goodness of God. Thank God for a good Lord's Day. Amen. And his blessings. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you was able to be in the house of God yesterday as well. Well, let me mention something and then we'll get ready to go right on into the message. I'm going to be preaching today, starting a sermon that we'll play throughout the week that I'm going to be preaching on prayer. And we'll be making the announcement about that in a moment as we're looking in Ezra chapter number nine. And we're going to be dealing with what might be a current event or at least recent news in the last few years of things that made pretty well news to bring in a point. And I hope that you'll stay tuned and listen to that and be helped. But we certainly need to be praying people. Our nation needs prayer. We need to be praying for our churches. We need to be praying for our homes, our children, our grandchildren, our loved ones. My, how we need to be praying people. And so I hope you'll stay tuned and enjoy that message. First, I've got a song here by the Shepherd family entitled The Shepherd's Voice. As we look into the scripture, we are looking in the book of Ezra, the Old Testament book of Ezra, and I'm reading the entire chapter, 15 verses, but I'm focusing primarily on verse number five. All this week, we're going to be looking at this book of the Bible and this chapter and particular instance of Ezra calling on God. I've titled my message for this week. It's time to take a knee. On today's broadcast, we're going to be just given the introduction, and we're going to be talking about Colin Kaepernick and that whole situation of taking a knee, but using it in another realm of looking at prayer and how there is a need for prayer. So I hope you'll stay tuned and enjoy the message as it was preached live from the pulpit of the Island Ford Baptist Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. Turn in your Bible to the book of Ezra, chapter number 9. Pray for me this morning. God, give me a burden on from these texts to pray that God would use it for His glory and honor. And I tell you, I'm going to read all of chapter number 9, all of Ezra, chapter number 9, and verse number 1. We'll read down through verse 15. The Bible says, Now when these things were done, the princes came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. Verse 2, For they have taken their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers have been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat astonied. Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonied until the evening sacrifice. 
And at the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God, and said, O my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. Since the day of our fathers have we been in great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands to the sword, to captivity, and to spoil, and to confusion of face as it is this day. And now for a little space, grace hath been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. I say amen right there. Verse 9, For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia, to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, and to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments." which thou hast commanded by thy servant the prophets, saying, The land into which ye go to possess it is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands, with their abominations, which have filled it from one end to another with their uncleanness. Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever." that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that is come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve and hast given us such deliverance as this, should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us, so that there should be no remnant for, nor escaping? O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous. For we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. Correctly read, that's reading the entire chapter of Ezra chapter 9. Well, I read all this text. I would suppose you probably are familiar with the book of Ezra, particularly this chapter being one of the pivotal pivotal chapters of the book. But uh, I read it for one verse that I really want to pull out and uh, make some statements and some comments about. Verse number 5 is where I'm going to take my main text. The Bible says, And at the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garments and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. Before I give you my title, I want to give you some introduction. It'll be unusual for me because it's an analogy that I'm taking from secular world, sports world. 
uh, that I'm going to give you some information that in a sense is not important to us, but it lays the groundwork that I can give you my point and hopefully drive the point home. My question is, have you ever heard of Colin Kaepernick? He became nationally and internationally famous for quote-unquote taking a knee instead of standing for the playing of the national anthem. Initially, he didn't kneel. Initially, he just kept his seat. He remained seated in the preseason NFL game of the San Francisco 49ers. He stated that this was done as a protest, quote, a protest of police brutality and systematic oppression against black people. That was his statement as to why that he uh, remained seated and then later, as they say, took a knee. According to the American page on Mr. Kaepernick, he is, quote, if you look it up, you can, you can Google it and find this to be true in Wikipedia. And I didn't know this till just recently that Wikipedia, of course, it's an international thing, that, but other nations, they don't have exactly the same information ours does. In the American uh, Wikipedia page, he is called, quote, an American civil rights activist and a former football quarterback. But according to the Wikipedia page that is uh, displayed over Europe, he is, quote, an American black supremacist and former football quarterback. And when you look it up, matter of fact, this is how I knew that. When you look up his name and the Wikipedia page that comes up without you clicking on it, that's exactly what I say. And it'll say E-N. It's the, it's the international English version, the international. And when you, and you can translate it from other languages. If you click on the French version, you can translate it into English, different things. But when you see that, it reads that he's a black supremacist. Whereas when you click on it, our page, it says he's a civil rights activist. And uh, that's interesting to me. But interesting enough, Mr. Kaepernick was born in 1987 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to a white woman named Heidi Rousseau and to an unknown, unidentified black man. He was given up for adoption by his mother and was raised by an affluent white couple named Rick and Teresa Kaepernick. He was an intelligent student holding a 4.0 GPA throughout high school and throughout college. He was also an excellent football, basketball, and baseball star in high school and in college. Matter of fact, in 2009, when he was a sophomore, his sophomore year of college, he was drafted by the, by the Major League Baseball draft. He was selected in the 43rd round by the Chicago Cubs. But he chose to stay in college and play football instead of baseball. After graduating in 2011 with a bachelor's degree in business management, he was selected in the NFL draft as the fourth pick of the second round by the San Francisco 49ers football team. Now, my point in mentioning all this is definitely not to encourage an awareness of sports, nor to delve into the questionable motives or the controversy of the fad that has now swept the NFL and even other sports now of quote-unquote taking a knee in protest to the playing or the singing of the national anthem. Although I personally, I'll just say this, this is my personal opinion. If you don't like it, 
You don't have to accept it. It's my opinion. I'm telling you up front. I'll acknowledge when it's my opinion. It is my opinion that anybody that does not want to stand, that wants to kneel at the Plano National Anthem, does not deserve to be on a football or basketball or baseball or soccer team. They deserve to be on the next plane headed wherever that's leaving America. Amen. That's not against him. That's against anybody. Yet my point for mentioning Mr. Kaepernick and this trend is not to project my personal patriotism or my personal viewpoint, but my purpose is to point out Mr. Kaepernick, if sincere in the statements and beliefs that he claims, has found something worthy of risking his career, something worthy of risking his personal fame over. He has found something that he deems to be worthy of taking a knee over. I want to preach this morning from Ezra chapter 9 verse 5 on it's time to take a knee. It's time to take a knee. Ezra said in verse number 5, And at the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garments and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. When I look around our nation, when I look around our church, when I look around our families, I say it's time to take a knee. There are some things worth bowing over. I want to give three points if I can this morning. And uh, just looking at these verses, I'll, I'll just, let me go through them verse by verse, the first six verses at least. Uh, I'll go through these and look at and try to pull out three points here. First of all, I want to talk about the beginning of sorrows that we find in this text. The beginning of sorrows. In verse number one, the Bible says, now when these things were done, the print, and these things that were done, they, they, they're rebuilding the temple. I mean, Ezra has come back from, they've been in Babylonian captivity and Ezra has come back and they've rebuilt the temple and now he hears some bad news. When these things were done, the princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of our prince, of the princes and rulers have been chief in this trespass. So Ezra, as I said, just came back from Babylon. And, of course, Babylon had been conquered by Persia. So, in a sense, we could say it came from Persia. And it's that Babylonian captivity of 70 years. Ezra, initially, Ezra didn't come back when the crowd came back. When the king announced that they could, the freedom had been granted, that they could go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And don't get it confused. The, the book of Nehemiah is talking about the rebuilding of the walls. Ezra deals with the rebuilding of the temple itself. And it's, they're in the same time frame, although just a few years distance. And they're, they're tied together. Ezra's in the book of Nehemiah. And some 
people believe that these two books at one time may have been one book uh, together all written. But all this comes, and by the way, it's all in the time or near the time frame of, of Esther as well. Those three books go together and have a, a good contingency as you read them together and see that they do continue together in their things. But here, Ezra didn't come back initially. He stayed as many of the Jews, as a matter of fact, most, the majority of the Jews enjoyed the leisure and the luxury of living in that Persian empire that had been the Babylonian empire. Zerubbabel and others, princes, nobles, leaders, that many of them could trace their lineage back to the throne of David. Zerubbabel could, by the way. Uh, they went back and made the first pilgrimage. But upon the opportunity arising, Ezra did decide to go back and gather the crew together and returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Ezra had a heart for God. Ezra had a heart for the people of God and for the things of God. Amen. And God had been at work among the people. Ezra had exhorted them to rebuild that temple and to worship Jehovah God as He ought to be worshipped. And I think about this, as I was studying this, uh, dwelling on it a little bit, I, I imagine the joy that Ezra must have had in his heart. His heart, no doubt, was flooded with joy as he dedicated himself to the Lord God and to the work of God. And uh, even though, even when he had been in Babylonian captivity, he's called a ready scribe. He knew the scriptures. He understood the prophecies. He knew something about God and the Word of God. And had dedicated himself to pinning and copying, amen, the Word of God, preserving the Word of God. He, he, when he comes back out of that captivity and he comes back to Jerusalem, he labors to rebuild the temple, uh, the decayed and destroyed temple of God. I'm sure he must have had his heart filled with joy when he saw his family involved, when he saw his friends involved, and they, amen, and they rejoice in excitement and in dedication that was evident throughout the city as Jerusalem came together. The hand of God at work in both the return of Ezra and in the work that was being done. However, our text indicates that something had been terribly amiss really all through that time. And Ezra had apparently been unaware of it. Ezra, it is brought to his attention. He is informed by some well-meaning friends. Amen. He says that they informed him of this danger that has come. He said, the princes came to me and they said these things. And so uh, these informants were people in leadership position. They apparently had kept themselves Pure. They said, they go through and say, our rulers, our princes, and our rulers have been, they've been at the forefront of this. They've been chief in this transgression. But apparently, a certain amount, a remnant of them had kept themselves pure. They were not being Pharisees in laying the blame on these others. They're not being snitches. They're not being tattletales. Rather, they are genuinely concerned for the purity and the piety of the people of God and the nation of Israel. Amen. By the way, if I hear tell of a preacher that has committed adultery, I'm going to do my best to mark him and avoid him, and I'm going to do my best to warn you to do the same. I'm not his enemy, but that is the enemy of the work of God. Amen. 
And I'm like, amen. And it's not that I hate them or I despise them. It's not that it builds me up to see them fall. No, it grieves my heart. And amen. And it disturbs me over the disobedience of God's leaders, people that are in leadership position. Amen. Going off in the wrong direction and, and other things as well, not just in marital situations. But I'll just be honest with you, it grieves me. Me and Brother Hall were talking about it yesterday. Matter of fact, there's some things that preachers do that act, that, just be honest with you, it, it, it disturbs me. It, it, it grieves me. It, it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The word I use to him, that's what, I, it disappoints me. Because I had better hopes. I had a better opinion. Amen. That's what had happened with this. These men were not, they're not just laying these guys in the shade. They're disappointed in their failures. And that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. So we're going to have to break in the message right there. But Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow and continue this message throughout this week. Hope you'll tune in this same time every Monday through Friday for another Sending Forth the Light radio broadcast. Until then, this is Pastor Farrell Shepherd saying good day and God bless you.